Okay, I'm going to start my recording here. John uh, 16. We're going to go to John 16. There's, there's a couple times here in the book of Job that Elihu claims to be speaking to Job in God's stead. So he's claiming to be God's spokesman. And uh, I'm really uh, pondering that as we go through here. Uh, I know Jim said that, I don't know if it was uh, Ruckman or somebody that uh, said that Elihu is a type of the Holy Spirit. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, definitely a believer, but uh, the the thing that I kind of maybe not marvel at, but when we see people suffer today, you don't always see them seeking the Lord, Uh, but I I guess I just really admire Job and his friends, because I think, you know, Eliphaz and uh, Zophar and Bildad, they were off in many of the things they said, but I, you know, they they hung in there. They didn't break fellowship over it. And you know, even in this room here, we all don't believe exactly the same. But I feel like we're on the path of growth, and we're sitting under the teaching of the Word of God. And you know, you'd like to believe it. At the end of Job, when they do reconcile and Job prays for his friends, that there's fellowship there, they've grown through it, they work through it. And uh, anyway, I, I really like that, that uh, right now I'm listening to the book of Job on audio. And, you know, you can get, you know, eight or ten chapters in one setting, you know, and it's just, they're all talking about, you know, the Almighty's causing this, and, you know, and the, the, the program I listen to is, is animated, and so sometimes you hear a little, you know, dramatic music in the background, or the speaker's like, whoa, it's me, and, you know, it's, it's like a theater, and, what do you listen to it on? It just—it's uh, the Gideon Bible. Gideon has an audio Bible, and uh, you can choose just—you know—the monotone, you know, like Alexander Scorby, or just—but I, I chose the animated. And so, if it's a lady speaking, you know, I don't know. It's just. It kind of puts you there a little bit more, maybe. And then, you know, when the devil was talking with God, you got God's voice and what the devil's voice they think might sound like. And so it's just kind of interesting. But, uh, the, the thing, uh, so John, John 16, and I think it was verse 7, and this is the Lord speaking, uh, before he was crucified, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And it says, uh, I think that's all I was going to say just right there. So, who is the Comforter? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, when Christ was died, buried, and rose again, He ascended back to the Father. And it's believed that He shed, He put His sprinkled His blood on the mercy seat, and it appeased the wrath of God. And so, then you know, fifty days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, and He indwelt believers. And so, in the New Testament, we have an indwelling Holy Spirit, and you know that's why when Jesus, the Great Commission, you know, after He says, you know, go to all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them whatsoever things I have told you, and then He says, and lo, I will be with you always. And so that's how Christ is with us is through the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And uh, so. You know, so as Elihu's talking to Job, uh, I'm just kind of pondering, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit telling him some things. And uh, anyway, hopefully that's kind of how he works in each of our lives is uh, through uh, his word and through his spirit and through his church. And so now now go to uh, Job 36, and let's look at these uh, first couple of verses. It's where it says that... uh, 
Emmett, you want to read verses 1 and 2 of Job 36? Sure. <clears throat> Elihu also preceded and suffered me alone, and I will show thee that I have yet to speak of God's behalf. So yeah, he's speaking on God's behalf. That's why I took you to John. And if you look back at chapter 33, just a page over 33, verse 6. This is where Elihu is speaking. 33, 6 says, Behold, I am according to thy wish. In God's stead, I also am formed out of the clay. So he is speaking on God's behalf. He is speaking on in God's stead. And so now back to 36, uh, verse 3, uh, Pam. I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and I will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. Yeah. Now this uh, this little word "afar" uh, is a reference to heaven. Look at Isaiah thirteen five. I didn't put this in your handout. I think this is for Isaiah thirteen five. I've looked at this a few times uh, in the past. I, it's it's kind of a reference to the the atmosphere. That so, what does thirteen five say, Pam? Can you read that one too? It comes from a far country and from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of His nation to destroy the whole land. Yeah, so in verse, it says, They come from a far country, even, uh, or it says, from the end of heaven. I'm going to shut my, my phone keeps, my work phone's getting emails, I think, so, <laughs> something. <laughs> so there's, there's a little, uh, cross reference for you. So when Elihu says, I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and he's speaking on God's behalf, He's uh, professing to get uh, words from God and give them to Job. And then at the end of verse 3, the Pam read, He will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. And that that that's what, that should be all of our goal, shouldn't it? We want to make God look good. That's, that's what our recovery group says. You know, when you glorify God, you make God look good. You, you glorify God. So I, I like some of those simple explanations. Uh, they even say sin is just really any wrongdoing. Anything you do wrong, it's a sin. So that, well, that's, that's simple. When you glorify God, you make Him look good. Uh, that worship other gods, those gods are not good. No, not, not, they're not, they're harsh, they're, they're demanding and, yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's a series that I've seen once upon a time. It was called American uh, Gods. Okay. And basically, people would believe that this God existed and it would create the God. Mm. But they're little G gods, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like the Easter Bunny and, and everything was there. Uh-huh. And there was like 150 different kinds of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very pagan. And... It was weird. Huh. Well, read verse four, Pat, and uh, this this I give you fill in your blank here. Two, my words shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with me. Yeah, so that, that seems like a little beyond, maybe, but uh, so he is claiming to be speaking infallible. He his words will not be false, and. Uh, he that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. So it seemed a little arrogant, but uh, what I put on your handout is just that God's word is true and infallible without error. It's inerrant. It's divinely inspired. And in your blank was it's preserved. That, that's where... Uh, where we often uh, maybe have a, an issue... Uh, but then I went on to say, but our understanding of it can be flawed, and, and we we are not infallible. So uh, we 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 profess that God's word is true, and it's uh, um, true whether we believe it or not. 
And uh, so we're we don't claim to be infallible, but we believe the the Bible is. Amen. So uh, let's do five, six, and seven, Kevin. Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. He preserveth not the lives of the wicked, but giveth right to the poor. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but the king but with kings are they on the throne. Yea, he doth establish them forever, and they are exalted. Yep. And if they are bound in fetters and be holding in cords of affliction. Yeah, so verses 5 and 6 is just kind of shows God's fairness. You know, he, He's mighty in strength, but He doesn't despise any. He helps, uh, uh, He giveth right to the poor. Uh, but then in verse 7, it, it says something interesting because, uh, you know, Job is a king, or he at least was before this, before he lost everything. And so he's letting Job know that God is, uh, he withholdeth or withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but with kings uh, are they on the throne. Yea, he doth establish them forever, and they are exalted. And so I give you a... I think I didn't complete your handout. I put a little question mark there. And I didn't look it up till after I printed it. But uh, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 1 Chronicles 16.9 And uh, Proverbs 15.3 goes with it. I, I don't know if you want to write those on your handout. But uh, the first or the second chronicles is where uh, it says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, uh, looking for him whose heart is perfect toward him, uh, that he may give him strength or something like that. I, um, do you have a gem or? Oh, I was yeah, go ahead and look it up. But anyway, I, I really like that verse that. Uh, and that's what Proverbs 3 says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good oh your thumbs taped up yeah but I cut the end of it off I burned my index what does it say says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth. Yeah, that just, it makes me want to have my heart perfect toward the Lord, I guess, because his, his eyes are looking. So I like that. And the verse that Kevin uh, read there, uh, Belinda, why don't you read 8 through 10? Read 8 again, because there's something there I wanted us to see back in Job. 8 through 10. They be bound in fetters, and be holden in cords of affliction, and he showeth them their work, and their transgressions that they have received. He openeth also their ear to discipline and commanded that they return from the Yeah. <clears throat> so, from verse 8, <clears throat> let me ask you this. Is it possible for Christians to be in bondage? Oh, yeah. Oppression. Okay. We're made of clay. We're not... Okay. Yeah, and and I think so too. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, Heather. Just learn it out. We do. So, you know, I'm going to a Christian university, and we're doing one of the courses I'm taking is vocation, your purpose and calling, and we listen to Rick Warren. Uh, that he was talking about what shapes us as sinners you know sinners is it's not so much a flaw it's, it, it's, it's something
reason that how God God knew that we were going to apply how we were going to apply sin with our own free will, whether we're going to stay uh, bound in our own afflictions or if we were going to rise above in His name and help others with the same afflictions. Okay. So I guess what I'm taking out of this mm-hmm. is similar. Yeah. To, to what the lesson was. Yeah. You know, e- e- even as Christians, when we do sin. Maybe we're still being shaped. Right. To, to our to our spiritual purpose. Right. It gives you empathy instead of sympathy. Right. Oh, yeah, that's good. It gives us a life experience that we can share with everybody. Yeah. So, so 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 we can mentor to others. Right. And it's coming to how Jesus Christ gave us the strength. Right. Right. There's something about Rick Warren that just doesn't sit right with me. I know he says a lot of good things, but you got to check. This guy out. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a great speaker. He's a great author. The only thing that's really You're not wrong. <laughs> well, back to just the just the things about being in bondage. So, so yeah, it, it's true, and then that's what. You know, when when people are struggling with addiction, you know, struggling is not necessarily wrong. I mean, it's good that you're struggling. I mean, if you were just full on, you know, in the gutter drunk and not convicted about it, the the Bible says if we're without chastisement, then then we're bastards. We're, We're not actually God's children. So it's good that we struggle and there's a desire to do right. And that's what Paul says, you know, the thing that I would, I don't do. And the thing I shouldn't do, that I do. And so Paul was, you know, uh, maybe not tormented, but he was definitely convicted about, uh, he says that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And he knows that his flesh, that this is, you know, I learned just from, I walk, I've kind of got a tradition every Sunday morning I walk my dogs. And so we went for a three mile walk this morning and I don't know if it was raccoons or other dogs, but they pooped on the path. And, uh, you know, I just have to, they just want to stop and smell the poop. And, you know, I think that is like my nature. I just, I'm, by nature, I'm drawn off the path. By nature, I want to think about things I shouldn't. I'm like, you know, come on dogs, let's, let's keep walking. But they want to smell other dogs' poop. And I'm like, <laughs> Mine rolling in it. Mine rolling. But my dog finds something dead. Like yeah. I, I go release him at the hospital area. The old yeah. Hospital and he'll find anything dead. <laughs> yeah. So by na- by nature we're like that, aren't they? We're just easily distracted and pulled off the path. Uh, now I gave you a reference there. We we don't need to look at it, but King Manasseh. He was the longest reigning king of uh, Judah or Israel. He re- he reigned for 55 years, and he went into uh, captivity. And it says it says while he was there, he was bound with fetters. And so that's a direct reference. That's what it says in verse eight here of Job 36. And if they be bound in fetters, and Manasseh was, but it was at that point he humbled himself. And uh, I think it was his grandson was Josiah that kind of helped turn the nation around. I may be thinking wrong on that one. But anyway, he humbled himself. And uh, I look at three kings in the Old Testament. Uh, even Nebuchadnezzar, as wicked as he was, after his seven years of being like a wild beast, uh, he he honored God Almighty and... Uh, 
And Ahab was another one. Uh, he was married to Jezebel, uh, both the wicked king and queen. And uh, at the end, he humbled himself, and, and God honored that. So I, uh, the, the, the next blank I gave you is just the word repentance. And this uh, this shouldn't be a dirty word. It, it just means to turn. It uh, and I look at the uh, I think it's Matthew 22 where the father had two sons and he asked him to go work in his vineyard and the first one said I'll, I'll go but he didn't go and the second one says I won't go but it says later he repented and went and that's what repentance is it's a change of heart that leads to a change of action that you know it leads to a changed life so even as Christians we uh, can and should repent and uh, the book I'm reading uh Jeff Adams on the book of Job, he mentioned that uh, fasting can be a valuable resource for Christians who trying to break free from bondage. And uh, every time I hear the word fasting, I'm kind of convicted because I, I don't, I've done that, but I don't do it enough. And so, uh, anyway, uh, in that Isaiah 58, about fasting, it says that uh, that the the serv- or the the person in captivity will be made free. So, anyway, just wanted to share that. It's a good counsel. Uh, and then, kind of thought like with repentance, like if you walk up to a door and there's like smoke coming out from under it, and you know you put the, your hand on the back of that door, uh, are you gonna turn? Are you gonna walk through that door still? You know, hmm. like. Or you're gonna turn and walk away. Yeah. That's kinda of how it okay. sends on the other side of the door. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But still that turning, that's good. Good thought, Kevin. Uh what's verse eleven say there? Uh Sam, we're over to you. Can you read thirty six eleven? If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. So that's almost sound like if they obey and or turn, uh, and uh, you know that that's. I'm trying to think. Uh, my, my cross references are you know where Paul was whether he be uh, hungry or full. He, he says, uh, whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And so, uh, I, I guess through all this thing with, with Job, you know, um, you know, just, just in my jail ministry time, I, I remember hearing guys, you know, make this vow that God, if you get me out of this, you know, and, and you almost think that with Job, but I don't think that's a mature thing to ask. You know, you know, God, if you'll give me this, if you'll help me through this, help me pass this test or whatever. I think, I think God would honor maybe the little child that's like, you know, God, I'll serve you. If I have to suffer, you know, I suffer and, you know, I don't, you know, it's like Christ when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, you know, God, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so that is our example of, because, uh, you know, Elihu is kind of saying here, that if we serve God, we'll, you know, we'll be prosperous and we'll spend our years in pleasures. <laughs> in verse 12, but if they obey not, and they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. So, um, anyway, in, in some sense, uh, those, those words are true, but I guess we need to find our contentment, and we, we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, and I, I really keyed on the, at the end of verse 12 there. It says that they'll die without knowledge. And so look at your teaching point there. I gave you a couple of verses from the New Testament. That there's a danger in knowing the truth and not obeying it. But there's a worse danger in not knowing the truth. And this verse says, who will have, uh, talking about God, will, who will have all men to be saved and come 
unto the knowledge of the truth. And then uh, this next verse is in times. It says there's some people that are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So uh, anyway, I kind of keyed on that word knowledge at the end of verse 12. <coughs> yeah. Philippians 4, 11 was the address. Yeah. I used to have that by my laundry washing machine. Oh. Well, re- read it for us. Uh, it says... Um, be content with what certain things you have. Ah. But that's just off the top of my head. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you you read it when you find it there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. There's... Uh, there's... There's an old time proverb that says, He is rich. He knows he has enough. Hmm. Yeah. Be content with such things as you have. Free hits, but nobody can look the same. We got anybody online today, Jim? Uh, we got to run it down to one now. Angie's Angie's on there? I did have to say, we had Bill Johnston for a while. Phil Johnston. Uh, 412, uh, 411. Yeah, he joins about once a month. Does he really? Yeah. Oh, wow. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They cry not when invited them. They die in youth, and their life is among the enemy. <clears throat> yeah. So now he's he's kind of shifting gears a little bit. He's talking about God's judgment, and more or less saying, you know, if if Job doesn't repent, uh, then he's a hypocrite. So that this word's come up a few times. <laughs> the man that led me to Christ he, he's got a children's song about being a hypocrite he, it's uh, it's like hypocriter hypocriter you do one or you say one thing and you do the opposite <laughs> so it's, a hypocrite is like saying one thing but doing the opposite and uh, ki- kids Kids know that uh, about their parents. They can spot hypocrisy, can't they? Yeah. Yes. Uh, parents saying, do what I say, not what I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now, verse 15, Jim, I'm going to let you read that because that, this is kind of a special verse to me. Read verse 15. He delivereth the poor in his affliction and openeth their ears in oppression. Yeah, now, now, what do you think of when you think of oppression? Outside. Yeah, that is. that. That's the Currington's. I like that definition. Because they can't pressure you from the inside. Yeah, so the depression is kind of the, maybe more the inside depression, the pressure you might put on yourself. But So the reason this verse is kind of special is when I started doing jail ministry, I was reading through Job, and and so I really felt like people that are in jail are oppressed, and that's a time that God opens their ears, and if we can give them the word why they're incarcerated, and so that that's... There's been several things in here that, you know, man's ears tries words like the mouth tasteth food. You know, it it says things like that. So sometimes you just have to be away to really hear from God, don't you? That's why each day we, we want each of us to have a quiet time, don't we? Just to block out the outside, shut off the news, shut off the TV, don't look at your phone, you know, God, you know, talk to me, and He'll open our ears. <clears throat> and anyway, that, that's just a beautiful verse to me. 
And I gave you a couple of other verses there. Uh, the the mark is where Jesus healed a deaf man, and so <clears throat> the Lord can do that. And so, all right, verse sixteen. Uh, uh, Emma, we're back to you, brother. Sixteen and seventeen. Even so, would he have removed the out of the spray into a broad place where there is no scrapes? And so I, I gave you a little def. We don't really probably use that strait. I mean, there's some geographical areas that you know the Strait of Gibraltar, or there, but it, it's. That's the word means narrow, <clears throat> and so Job is kind of between a, a rock and a hard place. He's uh, in a strait, and uh, Elihu is giving him hope to, to remove remove him out of there uh, and uh, into a place of fatness, uh, meaning uh, having having enough, like Pam says, or having an abundance. And then verse 18, Pam, it uses a word uh, I wanted to talk about. Read verse 18 for us. Because there is wrath, beware, lest he take thee away with his throat. Then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. Yeah, and you think about that, you know, the richest man in the world or anywhere, you know, you can't buy your way away from the the wrath of the Lord. You can't, you're not strong enough, you can't spend enough, you can't, you're not strong enough, you're not enough of anything. So a great ransom can't deliver you from his wrath. But uh, <clears throat> I give you a definition there in the New Testament, ransom it means to redeem from the possession of the, an enemy by paying a price deemed equivalent. And uh, that mark is where uh, Christ came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. But let's all look at the First Timothy, if, if we can. Look at the First Timothy 2.6. <clears throat> I'm going to look it up on my phone. And Pat, can you get there? Let's have you read that one for us. 1 Timothy uh, 2.6. Yeah. I thought he just right. He gave, he gave himself a ransom for all. That's it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I quoted the, yeah. that Mark verse. <laughs> and while we're in the New Testament, let's look at the First John 2 2. This should be a verse that all of us, this is a good verse uh, kind of to speak to our Calvinist friends. Because, you know, one of their uh, tulip principles is, is limited atonement and kind of believing that Christ really only died to save the elect. His blood was only sufficient uh, for them. But what does that say, First uh, John 2 2? I don't care. Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. No, you're in John. I want I want first John. My bad. Okay, I'll take it. My bad. And he is perpetuation for our sins and not for only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Right. So and that, that word propitiation means that uh, it's a sacrifice that appeases God's wrath. So he was the ransom. His price did appease God's wrath. And it wasn't just for our sins only, but also the sins of the whole world. That, that's good, isn't it? That is so good. And so that that is one that... Uh, my intention is at some point to do, you know, kind of a study on just 
the word, you know, Christ died for all. It's for every person. And uh, that, that, that right there is kind of a, a key, you know, not, not just for the elect. So anyway, we're, we're kind of on the second page of your handout. In verse 19, I'll read that real quick. It says, 36.19, Will he esteem thy riches? No, not gold, nor all the forces of strength. So, it's kind of like what we were saying, that no matter how strong or rich you are, it doesn't... uh, No. No. And I gave you a couple verses there, that riches profit not in the day of wrath. So, I know kind of... I don't know if you guys were here, the the pastor from Ohio, um, Jay Boffman, he uh, was able, he was a school teacher for almost 20 years and, you know, working toward a a pension and he he thought, and and I could really relate to this because, you know, I'm 62 and I have people almost every week, you know, how much longer are you going to work there and... You're kind of in that mindset of, you know, the goal is having enough money laid up to retire and kick back. And, and you know, Jay Boffman, he quit his job as a teacher and he, he started, he planted a church. You know, his pastor sent him out to start a church and he's just never been happier. He's just like, you know, just not counting on earthly riches and the things of this life and... And so I think that's people that are in the corporate world, maybe like myself, we kind of have to war against that. You know, checking your 401k and looking at the stock market and, yeah, you know, those are uncertain riches yeah, at best. In Matthew 3, it talks about uh, the kingdom of heaven is like <clears throat> like a, uh, a field. You know, that has a treasure buried into it, and a man finds the treasure and then goes sell all of his yes. possessions to, to buy that field. That's what Jay Boffman did. And so, you know, I'm not telling anybody to quit their job, but I'm just saying, me personally, that's one of the things I have to war against, uh, you know, is, is money. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh. at some point Yeah. Yeah. Because money answers all things. Well, yeah, you definitely need need money in this life, but uh, you know, it it comes down to you know what are we trusting in? And uh, I don't don't know where that's at. There's a, and for unto a season, for every purpose there's a season. Yeah. Ecclesiastes. There you go. Three. Hmm. There, there is one that says something like that. Right, right. Well, uh, Kevin, or, or did, why don't you read verse 20 for us? Desire not the night when people are cut off in their place. And so this night is uh, somewhat a reference to the tribulation period. <clears throat> it's it's a time of darkness. The second coming is uh, called the day of the Lord is a day of darkness. And uh, I give you a verse there, part of a verse, where men love darkness uh, rather than light because their deeds were evil. And uh, that that's true. And but I put uh, we are the children of the light or the day, and we should not uh, desire. I, I, I underline just the word desire. <coughs> so we and, and and that's what it says there in the verse that Kevin read is desire not the night. And that's kind of the uh, teaching point that I gave you there. You know, if we have been ransomed from God's wrath by Jesus Christ, we should not desire darkness and to be brought back in un, into bondage. And I guess I uh, verse twenty one was went with that. Uh, Sam, would you read that? Take heed, regard not in iniquity. 
for this hast thou chosen rather than affliction. So it looks like he's uh, saying that Job has chosen iniquity. Iniquity. Uh, iniquity. Ha- I really think iniquity has to do with like a cumul- cumulative sins. Uh, I kind of I, I studied that a little bit one time, but anyway, uh, one of our memory verses for uh, lesson six of discipleship is on prayer, and that's where Psalm sixty six uh, eighteen says, you know. Uh, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So uh, we shouldn't be, <clears throat> you know, meditating or planning upon doing something sinful, uh, or it'll hinder our prayer life. And God, God won't honor that. <clears throat> the two times that God can't hear you. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. If you're lost, and I guess the only time. What are you? And if you're in sin, huh? Because uh, you have to, you have to come, you have to admit the sin hmm. before he'll talk to you. And be able to have a clear mind. That's good. Good. At the at the Putnam County Fair, my hometown, our, our Putnam County has. They go all out for a fair time. I mean, they bring in. You know their tractor pull is like nationally renowned, and they got a big jumbo screen now. And I mean, they they bought bleachers, and uh, the whole fair is a huge event at my hometown. Um, but my my brother, when he was a pastor up there, uh, so I mean, you can have a booth at the tent. So he he had a, a booth at the tent. And uh, he's got his little computer on a loop there. You know, there's three things that God can't do. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, God cannot lie. And so anyway, it's really kind of a, not really a gimmick, but a, a little plug. It, you, you're intrigued by, whoa, what are the three things God can't do? And he used that just to witness to people coming through our Putnam County tent. I mean, people come from Iowa and all over to our fair. Favorite things to talk to people about. Like, they're, they're sitting there like, well, God never talks to me. Like, mm. I, I'll be sitting there with a knife to my wrist and mm. won't say anything to me. Mm. I said, because you're in sin. Like, mm. you're in the middle of the sin. Mm-hmm. It's not talking to you. You, mm-hmm. can't, you can't see the righteous or that's good. The unrighteous in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of the other things that he... <coughs> The other three things God can't do. I've got them listed in my Bible. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Because now, now I'm intrigued. It's like, oh, what were they? Sit with the scornful. I think there's four, maybe. Because um, you know he can't deny himself. That uh, can't make us loving. Well, he wants us to love him from a free spirit. That's true. With our heart. And a guy tell me, God, you can't make, can God make a rock so big? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, darn it. It wasn't where I thought it was. I think it's Second Timothy. There's a song by Beautiful Eulogy that's uh, talking about the snare, uh, and they're singing, If you have my heart, you have every part of me. That's good. Why God uses our heart. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look for that later. Let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, Verses 22 and 23. Is that uh, Heather? Behold, God exalted by his power, who teaches like him. Who hath enjoined him this way, or who can say, Thou hast brought iniquity? Remember that thou magnify his work which men behold. Now, this last section, these last 10 or 11 verses here, uh, my little headline was, you know, God's glorious works. And the first blank I had for you there is just the word power. It's power. And, and that's what it says there. 
God exalteth by his power who can teacheth him and boy when you think about the power of God that I mean it he's all powerful right he's the almighty he's all there's nothing my God cannot do he and so the next verse of Jim, would you read 24 through 26? Yep. 24. Remember that thou magnify his word, which men behold. Every man may see it, man may behold it afar off. One more. Behold, God is great, and we know him not. Neither can the number of his years be searched out. Yeah, and so uh, even though those of us that know him, we... We don't fully know him, do we? we I mean, <clears throat> there's many aspects and attributes, and he, he's infinite, and we're we're finite. <clears throat> but we are to magnify his work uh, so that others can see that, and uh, we want others to behold him afar off. Anyway, I, I like I like this section where we're just magnifying God, and and now he's going to get into nature here. In verses 27 and 28, uh, Emmett, would you look at those? Read those. For he maketh all the drops of water and pour down rain and pouring to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon the hand abundantly. Yeah, so this is kind of the natural process of rain, and it's amazing that, you know, we think these are primitive peoples, and they're describing things that, you know, we're still figuring out, you know, that evaporation and clouds, we're, we're getting ready to talk about clouds. I guess it says that in verse 28, but it, it says it again, but it kind of distills the water, and I read that the average rain cloud holds about 15,000 tons of water. Oh, wow. 15,000 tons of water. That's a lot. That's just the average one. So there's bigger ones. And um, anyway, he, again, he's just, uh, we need to magnify God's work. We need to have people look at it afar off and help him know. Uh, I mean, this is kind of right why the American Indian thought of you know the spirit in the sky so to speak and uh, they they uh, held some things sacred just from nature because it nature is uh, kind of the general revelation of God so uh, yeah yeah water Mm-hmm. There was some scripture where uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who was standing on the hill looking out over, and they see like a little plume of uh-huh. like a handshake plume. Yeah, they've been praying for seven years. Yeah, like that. yeah, it was three and a half years. Yep, that was Elijah's servant saw that. Yep, a little cloud like a hand, and sure enough, it was rain came. So. Emmett's wishing for that now. <laughs> He's got like, what well, you got? Two thousand acres of crops this year, Emmett. How many acres of crops you got this year? What? How many acres you got planted? Oh, about three thousand. Three thousand. Just a lot. Yeah. If you guys ever get a chance, just. I'm going to give you a tour of their shop, and they got the big four-wheel drive tractors and combines, and so. Well, maybe we need to pray for rain. Uh, I know it's kind of a critical time. Yeah. Do it in rain dance. I wonder how far down it comes. And it's still the same, you know, when you drop ice from that far up, it gets smaller. Why does the rain just, I guess it just stays the same, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's all vapor until it starts, the molecules start bumping into each other, and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they come down, and then air sucks them back up, like, because there's, like, vortexes and stuff. Uh-huh. 
So why don't we get huge drops of rain? And I've heard that hail can come down at a hundred miles an hour wow. and yeah. still be ice. Huh. Hail is just rain, but it just keeps getting recirculated. <laughs> I know. Were you going to say something, Belinda? John seven thirty eight. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Uh huh. So we're supposed to be water to the dry, thirsty soul. Yeah. Uh huh. And minister to them and guide them. Huh. That's good. Yeah, you're thinking about that water. That's good. We were talking about the. So you got me kind of. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to squirrel. <laughs> but you, you got me kind of thinking about a few minutes ago when you're saying God can't hear whenever you're lost. Right. You can hear one one prayer. <laughs> That's what I'm saying because I was rock bottom and lost. But when you call out to Him though and yeah. saved, that's when He hears you. That one prayer. Yeah. Yeah. We should we should have clarified that. Right. Well, where I was going with that is, is that why he's training us all up or encouraging us to water the fields of Uh of souls that are lost? Yeah. You know, we we be as his his water. No, thank thank you for clarifying that. So, yeah, certainly. Uh, and we, we base that on there's a verse in John that just says that we know the Lord heareth not sinners, but uh, but he he does he does hear that the contrite heart. I mean, he saveth those. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, yeah I don't want to mislead. So. Yeah. God's not a vending machine where you push this button, push that button, bang, you get what you want. Right. Right. There's a lot of people that aren't saved believe. Well, let's finish this because there's a thing here at the last I wanted us to see. In verse 29, uh, it says, Also, can any understand the spreadings of the clouds or the noise of his tabernacle? And we're going to, I want to close just talking about his tabernacle, but this thing about clouds, it's, you know, you know, sometimes you think, uh, boy, my thoughts are kind of cloudy or I'm in a fog. So clouds can be a lot of different things and, and, uh, it even talks about noise of his tabernacle. Uh, but you know, in uh, Hebrews 12:1, it talks about a cloud of witnesses. So there can be a cloud of witnesses. So, but his his second return, the return of, of the Lord, is a day of clouds, and uh, it even talks about him riding on a cloud. And so there's different things about clouds that are very uh, thought provoking in the Bible. But then look at verse 30. Uh, who, uh, who, who's turn to read, Pam? Can you do 30, Pam? Behold, he spreadeth his light upon it and covereth the bottom of it. Yeah, so he, he's spreading light. So that was your last blank there, I think. And. Uh, you know, th- this could even be a reference to the first day of creation. You know, God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. But do you, do you know that was the first day, and it was day four when He created the sun. So He's not talking about the sun's light in Genesis one three. It's more of, uh, and it's capitalized, and I believe it's a reference to Jesus Christ being the light of the world. But uh, anyway, verse thirty there. He even spreads it across the covering of the bottom of the sea. And so if you're thinking 
I mean, don't don't think Atlantic Ocean or Pacific Ocean right now. Just think a celestial sea that you know the waters that are above the heavens, where He's spreading His light there. So this goes uh, beyond just the earthly here. So Elihu is really magnifying God and His works. And then in uh, verse 31, uh, Pat, would you read that? For by them now, now, what? Who is the them right there? He's he judges them, or, or by by them, the, by them. Yeah. 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 So that, that's a pretty wild thought about you know clouds and light. And things like that, that he uses those things to judge people and uh, give, and also to give abundance. And uh, so th- this could even be referenced to the tribulation as well, because, you know, in the tribulation there's hail, there's earthquakes, there's drought, so there's like natural disasters and the sea turning uh, to blood, and anyway, just different. So God uses all of nature. Uh, even terrestrial uh, in, in judging. You know, I remember uh, this, this reminds me we're out of time. But Pat Robertson took a lot of flack, you know, years ago for saying that some of the Haiti's and some of those uh, hurricanes and such were judgments huh. upon that, right. that wicked voodoo nation. This like is this awesome. kind of stuff. But I mean, America became a nation because the England was coming over to destroy us. Hmm. And there was a great storm and it took out like half of the fleet. I do, that was, yeah, that was, that that was over in... the Spanish Armada was that? Well, even Christopher Columbus was headed for the U.S., but he got blown off course and went to South America. You're thinking of the England. Yeah, yeah, the England. Yeah, and God destroyed all the English Canal. Yeah, there's 200 some ships and uh, yeah. Um, well, let's read these last two. Let's read these last two verses here, and I'll, I'll close with a couple thoughts about them. Uh, Pat, is that or Kevin? Is that you? Thirty-two and thirty-three. Thirty-two and thirty-three. With clouds, he covereth the light, and commandeth it not to shine by the cloud that cometh betwixt. The noise thereof sure concerning it, and the cattle also concerning the vapor. Yeah. Um. So he even mentions uh, that God's kind of gathering the vapor like like cattle gathered them together. So anyway, it, it's more of this same uh, line of thought. But the thing I wanted to end with my, my teaching point there that God compare God's earthly and heavenly tabernacle. And uh, so we got about 30 seconds. So if we just think about uh, Earth and just, uh, you know, Moses was to build the tabernacle in the wilderness like the heavenly tabernacle. And we've got a little model up there on top of the shelf of this uh, uh, what is the the courtyard and so we've got this uh, we've got the third heaven where God's at and then uh, the first heaven is the atmosphere around the earth And then the the outer space is called the second heaven a lot of times. Uh, And so anyway, just... It was just interesting how, and, and I think we'll talk about this more when we get into uh, Job 38 in a couple of weeks. 
but uh, I just wanted to kind of introduce that thought that that you know the Bible says that the heavens are God's throne and the earth is His footstool. And, you know, I don't know if, but what, maybe that's a literal thing where God is so big that the heavens are His throne and the earth is His footstool. That's a pretty wild thought, isn't it? Well, you know, it always talks, there's like pictures of shown in the hands. Like yeah. Hands, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of... I think it was Pam Jackson saying that the known universe is 200 and some trillion light years across. So, I mean, it's just so massive. But uh, let's close here. And... Uh, I will just say a word of prayer for uh, my wife and uh, my mother-in-law. And I'm going to...